be seated this morning. Isn't God awesome? Amen. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We've been in the middle of a series called The Missing Peace, and we're going to take a little bit of a different turn from what we've been doing typically in this series, because what we've been talking about in The Missing Peace is how God is the missing piece in our lives and how we need Him to complete the picture. I want us to change our focus just a little bit and adjust it to how we can become that answered prayer for someone or how we can be that link that will extend our reach as a church, how we can be that person that's ready and willing to step up for the cause of serving and reaching others. And so I want to talk to you to this day. If you're taking notes, you can write this title down of who is counting on you. And another thing that I want to do today that is going to be a little different from what we normally do on a Sunday morning is I'm just going to share with you some of my heart and my vision and my desire that God has put in my heart as a pastor of this church to be able to share with you some of those things so you can understand kind of where we're at and where we're going and different things like that. So if you've got your Bible today, go ahead and turn over to the book of Romans and the 12th chapter. Romans 12, we're going to start reading in the first verse. I'll give you just a second. Romans 12. And verse 1. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. By the mercies, okay? Let's stop right there. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your what? Say it loud and say it proud. That you present your? Oh, yes, somebody's in church today. I said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, he said, first and foremost, I beseech you. Now, we don't really talk like that today. You know, I don't say, I beseech you to take me to Texas Roadhouse. I beseech you to, uh, you know, we, we, we don't talk like that anymore. But I, I could beseech you, and you could, you know, um, beseech me. Um, anyways, I'm, I'm uh, let's, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. I am making a desperate attempt to get you to move to action. I'm beseeching you on behalf of the mercy of God. How many of you this morning can say that God has shown you mercy? Amen? He's shown us all mercy. He's shown us great mercy, great love by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. And because of that, He's saying by His mercy, by His love that He's bestowing on us, that He's giving us something that we have no right, no, no claim to, other than the fact that He did it out of His love. We can't earn it. We can't be good enough for it. All we have to do is trust Him, and He gives it to us freely. It's this mercy, this undeserved mercy that He pours out of us because God so loved the world that He gave this mercy. He had this mercy on us because of that great love, because of that great mercy, because of that great gift. The Bible says here that we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to think about what we're all called to do as believers, because we're all called to serve as a natural response to the mercy of God. You see, we're all called to serve Him as a natural reaction. It should be natural that I respond to God by serving Him because of His great mercy. 
That's what the writer is saying here. I beseech you on behalf of the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, here's the crazy thing. Normally, a sacrifice is dead. Normally, a sacrifice is a dead thing. It's not a living thing that, that continues to go on after it's been sacrificed. No, it is something that is presented on an altar or something that is given up, something that uh, is placed a lot of times in the old uh, Jewish culture that we read about in the Old Testament. On the Day of Atonement, they would bring that spotless lamb, and they would actually kill this thing. And guess what? When it was dead, it was dead, <laughs> and it didn't come back. But we aren't called to be dead sacrifices. We're called to be living sacrifices. And he tells us that that living sacrifice should be our bodies. He said, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. What does that even mean? First of all, I want you to understand something. That your body is only going to be good on this earth. Your body is only going to be good on this earth. Whenever it's all said and done, guess what? Body stays, right? Whenever your life on this earth is done, your body stays behind. So that means that your body is only good here on this earth. That means that what you do in this body represents your time, it represents your effort, it represents um, where you go, what you've done, what you allow, all of these things. Your time here on earth is represented by your body. And he said present this body as a living sacrifice. Now, the other half of this is that we're not called to do it once, but we're called to be continually presenting our body as a living sacrifice over and over again. So here's what that means. It means as long as we are living, that we are to present our time, our energy, our efforts, everything done in this body as a sacrifice to God. It's not a one-time thing. It's something we continually do. We're alive. It's not we're dead and it's over with. It's we continue while we're living to continually give ourselves and present ourselves as that living sacrifice. Now, a good way to understand this scripture would be to say it this way. So I, I want to break it down for myself and for everyone here to help us to grab a hold of this. Um, we could say it like this, that because God extended his mercy to you and to me when we didn't deserve it, that we should naturally be inclined to serve him in this body, on this earth, and do things with our time, our energy, and our efforts that would please him as long as we're alive. Does that make sense? Something we should do continually, presenting our bodies as service to him as long as we're alive. You know, I was a teenager for, uh, I mean, I was a teenager. I was a youth pastor, rather. I was a teenager, I promise. I was a youth pastor for seven years, and one thing that I learned about teenage boys is that they're gross. <laughs> How many of you uh, men were teenage boys at one time? Good thing, you, you were gross. You all went through a gross stage. There's this, just this gross stage where they don't understand what deodorant is, where they don't understand what baths mean. They don't care if their clothes are wrinkled or not. They think that, you know, the shirt that they smell the armpits on, you know, oh, this is a good shirt. You know, I'll wear it again and again and again. And some of you guys still do that today. Uh, <laughs> teenage boys are gross. We had this kid in our youth group one time. And uh, he had the worst smelling feet you have ever smelled in your life. I'm not even kidding. And no, I don't want to smell your feet if they're worse. His were the worst I've ever smelled in my entire life. And uh, this kid was 13 years old and wore a size 14. Just this massive, huge kid. And um, 
you know, just tall and big. And, and whenever we were uh, on youth trips, we would be in our youth van. And uh, if he would get aggravated at a girl or something, he would pull that shoe off. And he would, and, and, and it wasn't just punishing the one girl he was trying to get back at. It was punishing everybody in the van and probably everybody in the next cars, 10 cars back. You know, they were probably going, what in the world is going on here? You know, tires are starting to get flat and, you know, the radio starting to change, change stations. And they don't know, it's just this powerful aroma, this thing going on. But when the same stinky, gross teenage boy turns around 15, 16 years old, all of a sudden a girl takes an interest in him and he takes an interest in her, all of a sudden he discovers something. It's an act of God and it is something that comes on from on high and it just comes all over him and it's called water and it's soap and he begins to bathe himself and he begins to clean himself. He begins to want to fix his hair. He begins to want to present himself very nicely because why? He's taken an interest in someone and someone's taken an interest in him. All of a sudden these things begin to change almost naturally he even discovers this product called axe body spray and he thinks he's supposed to use the entire bottle on himself he takes all he just covers himself completely in it believe me i know i dealt with that half of the teenagers too as a youth pastor you get in the van good grief man you know we got feet and we got axe body spray over here you know and, and they think that girls are just automatically drawn to that oh he smells so good Use this whole body, body spray all over him. What changed? What, what changed in this teenager who was sticking his foot in front of a girl's face to gross her out, and now he's combing his hair and fixing himself up to impress her? What's changed is that she's taken an interest in him, and all of a sudden there's relationship there. And because there's relationship, these things begin to change naturally. You see, there's a natural change that comes about because of relationships, and that's what is supposed to happen whenever you and I come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's supposed to be a natural change because guess what? Before Jesus, your feet stank. Before Jesus, you were the stinky kid on the bus. Before Jesus, we were gross. But guess what? Whenever he comes in, he cleans us up and he makes us all new, right? And because of that, he does that because of his mercy. He does that because of his love for us. And as a natural response to him, we're called to serve. Therefore, brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present your bodies, your time on this earth, your effort, your energy here on this earth to present that thing as a living, continual, alive sacrifice present your body your time present it give it to me because there should be a natural reaction that happens because of his great mercy are you seeing that you see here's the thing that when true life change happens through a relationship with god your desire to serve him should come about naturally have you ever uh, uh, been in that place in your life where maybe you had a great encounter with the Lord? Maybe something just became real to you or maybe you felt like God was leading you to do something. You felt closer to God than you had ever been or you gave your heart to God maybe for the very first time and you still felt so clean, you felt so new, you felt forgiven, you felt like the weights and the burdens and the shackles of the past were broken and destroyed and gone and all of a sudden you just feel so free and, and it all of a sudden becomes, what can I do for you, God? I just want to serve you. I want to love you. That's that motivation that comes in us by that mercy that we're shown but sometimes what tends to happen is that the longer that we live our lives as christians we lose sight of that mercy we lose sight of exactly how good god is we lose sight of that relationship with him that he desires for us to have and we get comfortable and we begin to coast and we begin to hit the cruise button on our relationship with god and then all of a sudden before you know it we're not serving God we're not doing the things that he's called us to do we're just living a comfortable 
Christian life. Let me tell you, folks, we should never get so comfortable that we lose sight of how awesome our God is and how great and powerful His mercy has been shown to you and I. Amen? Amen. We should always be aware of His great love because this is not something that you and I could earn. This is not something that you and I could, could work for and obtain. This is only something that could be done by Jesus. And the only way you and I get to be a part of it is by faith in Him. That's it. That's the only way you and I get to be a part of this thing. And then this mercy and love is just shown to us because He loved us so much. And the more we keep that in the forefront of our relationship with Him, the more we keep that in the forefront of why we even serve God to begin with, then our service to Him, our sacrificial living and presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, giving Him our time, our efforts, and our energy is going to come about naturally. And the closer I get to Him and the deeper my relationship goes, guess what? I should only begin to amp up what He has called me to do and put in my heart to do for Him. Amen? And the longer we're saved and the longer we're living for God, the closer to Him we should be, right? We should. We should. I want you to understand something this morning about this thing that we call church. Church is not somewhere we go, but it's who we are. I'm going to say that slow so I can say it some more. Church is not somewhere you go, but it's who we are. You understand that whenever the closing prayer is said and you get in your car and you go out to eat or you go with your family in the vehicle, church isn't over. Yeah, the service is over, but guess what? You are still the church. You are the body of Christ. You are a part. You are a member, not just a card-carrying member of Word of Grace in Sheboygan Falls, Wisconsin. No, you are a member, a part of the body of Christ if you belong to Him. This local church is only a, a smaller portion of the greater picture of who is a part of the body of Christ. Now, every part of your body has got to do its share, right? Even the things that you and I may deem as insignificant. A lot of times we think that, ah, my pinky toe is insignificant. I don't really think a whole lot about it until you're walking around late at night and all the lights are off in the house and all of a sudden you try to get in your bed and, ow! And then what happens? You start to nurse it. You're holding it. Oh, and then you're limping around. And now you realize how important that one part of your body that you thought was so insignificant now is. Anybody ever had a hangnail before? That's painful. You ever had an ingrown toenail? I remember whenever I played basketball, I was always, because I've always had long fingers, and I just had these ridiculously gargantuan hands as a 13-year-old. They haven't grown since, but these were 13-year-old man hands, and, and they were all, all the time, they were, they, they were getting jammed whenever I would try to get past, because I had long fingers, and all the time, just long bony fingers just getting jammed, and all the time wearing these little brace things on my fingers, and I felt like I was always getting hurt, and I realized how significant that those fingers were, even the small ones, to holding a glass or holding a pencil. And we realize that every part of our body, whenever it ceases to function or it functions incorrectly or it's in pain, then guess what? It, it hurts the whole thing. It hurts the whole body. It throws the whole thing out of whack. Right? 
It'll mess the whole thing. That, that hangnail will mess you up. That ingrown toenail will mess you up. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. Every one of us are called to be a part of this body. And it's not somewhere we go, it's who we are. And when we do our part, it causes us to walk healthier, to grow healthier. As a matter of fact, you can see this illustrated in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. Go ahead and pull that up. Ephesians 4 and verse 14 says, Now that, which one? (laughs) Ephesians 4 and verse 14 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ. So who's the head? Christ. Christ is the head from whom the whole body, joined in it together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, what happens when every part does its share? It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You see, he says right here, from the whole body, we're joining it together. We're the body. Christ is the head. We're the body. From the whole body, we're joining it together by what every joint supplies. In other words, we need everything working right, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. And when that happens, it causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. It creates a unity. It creates a harmony. It creates a flow in the body of Christ where we understand that our bodies are to be presented to him on behalf of his mercy as a living sacrifice that's holy and that's acceptable to him. The Bible says this is your reasonable act of service or your reasonable act of worship. This is reasonable. This is just, this, this just makes sense is what that word reasonable is. It just, it's just, it should make sense for us to want to do this because of the great mercy of God that all of us are called to serve because we understand that church isn't somewhere we go, but it's who we are. Second Corinthians 5 and 20 talks about how we are ambassadors of Christ. We're ambassadors for him. The Bible says it's as if God were pleading through us that we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We're representatives. We're ambassadors of God here in the earth. We are his body. We are his hands and his feet. And we're supposed to be presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, it's this mentality and it's this responsibility that we as followers of Christ need to take in our everyday lives and here in our local church. Because this is the kind of heart that is going to move word of grace forward as a church. And it's this kind of heart that is going to maximize our impact in the kingdom of God. He wants us to have a kingdom impact. He wants us to have a kingdom influence because that's the most important thing to God. You can read in the Bible, Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. He said, this is the most important thing on the agenda. While you're here in this earth as my representatives, as my ambassadors, this is the most important thing on the agenda that you put my kingdom first place. What I think is important, that's what should be most important. That's what God's saying to us. To have the greatest impact for the kingdom that we can. As a local body of believers, as an individual Christian, as an individual Christian family, as a local church and as a part of the greater church, the whole body of Christ, you and I are called to make an impact. This generation that is here on the earth right now, guess what? We're responsible. 
God has called us here for such a time as this, right now, to this place, for such a time as this, to this generation, for such a time as this. That's why you weren't born 200 years ago. That's why you weren't born a thousand years ago, because he knew he needed you here today. He wanted you here today, and he has a purpose for you here today. You know that? He has a calling for you today. Why was I born? Because God had a purpose. God had a plan. And it's greater than anything you could ever think or dream. But he said that I need them to get together on some things. I need them to hook up on some things and to join together. Because if they can get together, and if they can work together, then it's going to cause growth for my body. It's going to cause growth for my kingdom agenda. It's going to cause a wider spread impact to be made when we realize the church isn't somewhere we go, but it's who we are. When we understand that our bodies are to be presented as a living sacrifice to serve. Because the more we understand God, the more we understand His Word, then guess what we can do, folks? We can correctly apply that Word and then we can share it with others. We've said that over and over again here over the past few weeks, that the more we understand about God, the more we understand His Word, we understand His character, we understand who He is, then we can begin to take those things and we can correctly apply them and then share them with others. This is a cycle that needs to be repeated in our church to see us grow, and it's a cycle that needs to be repeated as individuals to see others' lives change. But what does that have to do with me, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Because here's the thing. Someone is counting on you. Someone is counting on you. That coworker, that friend, maybe a complete stranger. Someone waiting on you to respond to the mercy of God. Somebody waiting on you to respond to that mercy and be that living sacrifice, to be that missing piece, to help them to connect to God, to help them in their walk with God, maybe someone who's struggling, maybe someone who feels abandoned, someone who feels alone, someone who feels rejected. You don't know what's going on in somebody's life. You don't know. That's why, however insignificant you may feel as a member of the body of Christ, that's just the enemy trying to get you to quit doing your part. Because no matter how insignificant you feel, you don't know what that smile, that handshake, handing somebody a donut and a coffee, you don't know what that could do. You don't know what simple conversation and exchange you have with someone. You don't know how far that's going because you don't know what that person is dealing with. How many stories have we heard over and over and over and over and over again where people have told testimonies of when they say, God, I'm giving up today. I'm going to just do myself in. I'm, I'm giving up. I'm, I'm giving up on Christianity. I'm giving up on life. And, and, and if you want me to remain in ministry or if you want me to still be here, God, then just send somebody my way. And then you hear the story about someone coming along their path and they begin to just weep and cry. And they say, you have no idea what I was about to do today. But God sent you by my path, and I know that he still loves me. Haven't you heard stories like that over and over again? Someone's counting on you to be that light. Someone is counting on you to be that one that shows love, who makes this thing work, who is a part of that body of Christ, who is that joint, who is that member of the body of Christ to help this thing go and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish here in the earth. You see, this is something that each one of us can do, whether it's watching a single mother's child in the nursery so she can hear a word that she desperately needs to hear without distraction, 
You know, maybe it could be shaking somebody's hand or showing interest in their life. Maybe it could be making someone feel more welcome. You remember here in Ephesians 4 and 16 where he said, what every joint supplies, when they all work together, it causes growth in the body and it begins to edify itself in love. It begins to grow and become healthy. You see, whenever something is healthy, it naturally begins to, to grow and do well and grow the proper way. That's the thing, church, is that you and I as believers, we need to get to a place where we're healthy as believers, where we're healthy as a local church, where we're healthy and we're working together and where we have the same common goals and a kingdom agenda set before us that we're chasing after and that we're wanting to accomplish for God by presenting our bodies as living sacrifices because we're responding to his mercy. And then what we'll do is we'll begin to impact and grow and see the kingdom of God move forward and advance because we're simply doing the things that he's calling us to do. Does that make sense? Yeah? No? Like if you said no, I'm going to go back and preach the whole thing over, right? <laughs> I still haven't figured out why I or other preachers do that. We serve God best by serving others. And that's really what this boils down to. And that's really what I'm talking about this morning, is that we serve God best by serving others. As a matter of fact, Jesus said to the disciples, he said that the world is going to know. They're, you're going to be marked. They're going to know that you're my disciples whenever you have love one for another. That's going to be the calling card. It's not going to be your Jesus t-shirt. It's not going to be your bumper sticker. It's going to be that you have love one for another. It's going to be that you're willing to serve others, that you're willing to go the extra mile. They will see the living sacrifice. They will see that love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart because you're responding to the mercy that he's given you. And that's all you're doing. You're just responding to the mercy that he's given you. And then guess what? The world takes notice. And they notice that there's something about you. There's something about your life that you're genuine, that you're real, that you're sincere because you're serving, because you love, because you're continually presenting your body as that living sacrifice. John 15 and 13, Jesus said that no greater love has a man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends, than to give himself completely over for the sake of someone else. Nobody has any greater love than this. And if the world is going to know us by our love, then there's no greater love than to lay down one's life. Than to give ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about who, who is counting on you. Who is counting on you to be that person that helps win them to Christ or helps them out of whatever circumstance they're going through? Who's counting on you to love that child that may not be loved all throughout the week, but you have an opportunity to speak into that child's life or to show them or to demonstrate them love, maybe in Kids on the Move or maybe in 180 or maybe in the nursery. You have an opportunity to affect someone for the kingdom of God. Maybe there's some strife going on at home and you're a stable figure in their life and you show them love. What about the person who is just on the edge? What about that guy that feels worthless, that's, that, that feels like he's not a good father, that he's not a good husband, that he's a failure? And you talk to him and just encourage him, and you don't even know what's going on in his life. But you know what? He's counting on you. Even though you don't know he's counting on you, he's counting on you. He's counting on you to be the living sacrifice. He's counting on you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
What about that coworker who has just lost all hope and is just about to throw up their hands? What, what about that person? Who are they going to count? Let me, let me put this in, in real terms here for you so you can grab a hold of this. You and I were reached by somebody, whether it was mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, whether it was a friend, whether it was a coworker, no matter who. The reason you're sitting in one of these chairs today is because somebody reached out to you, whether you grew up in a Christian home or not, somebody reached you. You were reached somehow, some way. Now it's your turn to be that somebody for someone else. Now it's your turn to be the hands and feet of Christ because you're sitting in one of these chairs today because somebody reached out. Now it's your turn to reach out to someone else. Who is counting on you? What if that person wouldn't have reached out to you? What kind of mess would your life be in if God hadn't sent that person your way? What decisions would have been made in your life that would cause you absolute catastrophe because that person decided not to reach out? Somebody's got to make the decision today. Somebody's got to say, you know what, God? I'm ready to present my body, my life, my time, my effort, my energy here on this earth as a living sacrifice because it's my response to your mercy. It's the way I'm responding because your mercy is so good. I'm not doing this because I'm feeling uh, uh, bad. I'm not doing this because I have a guilt trip put on me. I'm doing this because it's my response to your mercy because your mercy is so great and I can't help but present my body, my time, my effort, my energy as a living sacrifice. In other words, we're saying, God, you know what? If somebody makes fun of me, they make fun of me. God, if somebody puts me down and starts gossiping about me, that's what they do. But at least they're going to know where I stand. They're going to know I'm genuine. They're going to know I love them because I'm faithful, because I show myself to them as a faithful person, loving them, willing to go above and beyond to show them that love. Even if that means something that no one will ever see or know about, you're presenting your body as a living sacrifice. You're giving yourself. And I, I want to share something with you here. For us to maximize our impact on people's lives here at Word of Grace, we need people committed to the purpose of doing whatever it takes to see lives changed for the kingdom of God. And if you've been wondering about getting involved or getting involved in a deeper way, guess what? Today is your day. Because <laughs> I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to fill out a volunteer application. <laughs> I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to go speak to that neighbor that you always wave at whenever you pull out of the garage. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercy of God, to go talk to that person that you know is having a hard time at work. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to go up and love somebody that everybody else has pushed away and rejected and everybody else talks about. I beseech you, by the mercy of God, to go out and to make a phone call or get on Facebook or get on email and you need to mend, begin mending some relationships that maybe have been tarnished and tattered i beseech you therefore by the mercy of god to present your body as a living sacrifice and not just remain comfortable because comfortable is cool but you're willing to be uncool so you can be a part of this thing called the body of christ and help it flow and grow and become everything that god wants it to be amen amen <clears throat> well easter is coming up and what we're going to do during Easter is we're going to launch a brand new series and it's going to be called Beautiful Things. And it's going to take a lot of folks to make this happen. And we're expecting a great crowd this year and so here's what we're going to do for Easter. We're going to add a third service for Easter um, because we've been getting really close in our first services on Sunday to almost 
packing out. I think it was last week that we only had about 15 or 16 empty chairs in our first service. So we're going to have to go to a third service for our Easter. And what we're going to do is a Saturday night at 630. And we're doing that because we're wanting to make more room for more folks to be able to come and hear the gospel message. Because guess what? Sometimes Easter is the only day that people come to church. You know that? Maybe you yourself at one time were an Easter-only Christian. Or maybe you grew up in an Easter-only household. Or maybe if you were really special and really religious, you were Easter and Christmas. But Easter is sometimes the only time that someone may have the opportunity to hear the gospel because they just go out of either the way they were raised or a feeling of religious obligation. Folks, we need to take that opportunity and step up and make sure we're ready to serve and ready to give. Amen? Because we don't know whose life we could be impacting. We don't know what issues are going to walk through the door on that Saturday night or that Sunday morning. And here's another thing that we're going to do on Saturday. We're going to be doing an Easter egg hunt at River Park that day as a community outreach and to also help advertise our Easter services. The JCs used to do this, and actually the person who was over it when the JCs did it is now a member of our church. And so she's helped us coordinate that and put it together. The community, so far as the municipal uh, uh, building, the people involved over there, it's uh, City Hall and whatnot are very excited that we're putting all of this on because it hasn't been around for a few years. So we're going to do that. It, it, it takes help. It takes people knee, uh, jumping in and linking hearts and linking arms and getting in to the battle together, getting in the trenches together and making this kind of stuff happen. This stuff just doesn't happen. It takes folks who have an understanding that I'm presenting my body to God as a living sacrifice. I'm serving. It takes, it takes people serving. It takes people giving of themselves so other people can be reached. No matter how insignificant you may feel, there is no insignificant position whenever it comes to serving in the kingdom of God. Amen? I think that the Bible says a little something about that. He said that if you want to be the greatest in my kingdom then you've got to be the servant of all. He said, get in the back of the line. You want to be in the front of the line? Jesus said, get in the back of the line. That's how it works. That's how it works. Jesus got down on his hands and his feet, wrapped a towel around his waist, Savior of the world, Son of God, and washed some nasty feet of his disciples. And he said, if you don't do what I'm doing, then you can't have any part of me. You've got to do this too. He said, no servant is greater than the master. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So who is counting on you? You see, right now would be a great time for you to step up and be a part, not just because there's a need. Because there is a need, but that's not why it's a great time, just because of the need. I don't want you to respond simply out of there being a need. I want you to respond because there's an opportunity that you see to be a part of something greater. There's an opportunity that you see to help see lives change and impacted for the kingdom of God. And for those of you who are involved in everything, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do. We couldn't do what we do without you. You're a huge blessing to the church and to the body of Christ. But it's time for us to link arms and for us to link hearts, step out together to see lives change forever. I want you to bow your heads for just a minute. Just close your eyes. And I want you to just imagine with me for just a minute. Just try to picture some people in your mind. Just, I, I want you to get a picture of who we're talking about here. I want you to get a picture of where God is taking us. I want you to see people who have had addictions in their lives. I want you to see those people being made free. 
Maybe there's a man who's struggled with pornography or a man who's struggled with thoughts of lust or maybe he's struggled with finances or feeling like he's a failure. Maybe he's struggled with his own identity. Seeing him made free, seeing him come to the joy of knowing Jesus, seeing him come to a place where he's more confident in who he is in Christ because somebody reached out, because he was counting on somebody. I want you to get a picture in your heart of families and, and marriages being restored, people who are on the rocks, people maybe who are about to go in and completely give up, being restored. I want you to get a picture of that in your heart. I want you to see it today. I want you to see boys and girls becoming impacted by the love of God. I want you to see in your heart today that woman who's lost all hope find her joy again in Jesus. I want you to see it because church, that's where we're headed. I want you to see it. I want you, you've got to see it. You've got to see those lives being impacted and being restored. People being set free. People being forgiven. People being one to Christ. The kingdom of God being impacted because you decided to be someone who could be counted on. Because somebody's counting on you. Who? Who this morning is counting on you? Who's counting on me? Who's counting on you? Whenever you walk out these doors and you recognize that church isn't somewhere you go, but it's who you are, who is that person that's going to be counting on you? Who's that person that's waiting on you to move, waiting on you to say something, waiting on you to do something? Because everybody has to be reached. Who reached you? Somebody has to be reached. So who is counting on you? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Derek, I need to be reached this morning. I need to make sure I'm right with God. I've never prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and be my Lord. Or maybe you have said that prayer, but you didn't really mean it. It was just some words, and it wasn't really something you meant from your heart. And you want to make that commitment today. You want to make that confession today. Or maybe you have been real serious about that commitment before, but maybe you've kind of just fallen away, and you're just kind of just kind of given up. And you say, I want to renew that commitment today and know that I know with no doubt that I belong to Jesus. If that's you in this place, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to lift up your hand and put it right back down. Just let me know you're here. Anybody in this place today, I see those hands. See those hands, you can put them right back down. I see those hands. Anybody else in this place today? More importantly, God sees your hands. I see that hand. Anybody else? Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Just repeat it after me. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life and everything within me. I make you my Lord today and my Savior. And I commit to follow you. I commit to present my body, my life, my time, my efforts as a living sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer today, church, we want you to let us know.